Broadcasting from Knoxville, along the banks of the mighty Tennessee River, this is the Startup Knox podcast featuring interviews with local entrepreneurs about their startups. I'm your host, Brandon Bruce, and today we continue our special series of interviews with Knoxville investors. I'm talking with Ken Woody, founder and president of Innova, an early stage venture fund started in 2007 and currently investing out of Fund 4. Innova primarily invests in Tennessee-based companies in healthcare, tech, and logistics, and it invests nationally in rural ag tech companies. Today, Innova has invested in over 100 companies. Welcome to the show, Ken. Good morning, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Latest big news, Crunchbase, which many of our listeners are probably familiar with. This is a big database of information about startups and investors. Recently did a survey of venture capital firms nationwide evaluating diversity investing. And Innova uh, was ranked in the top 10. And I know we've talked prior to the show. It's an area where you all have really placed a lot of deliberate focus and are happy to see the impact and the recognition from Crunchbase. So tell us about your diversity initiatives and, and, and how did this research get done by Crunchbase? Yeah, I think the to start with the second question first, Crunchbase, after a lot of the focus recently on diversity um, and the issues we see nationwide with uh, racial injustice and problems, I looked and said, hey, we do a lot of work with major investors out there in the venture capital and private equity world. And, you know, they've kind of had a spotty record over time. So l- let's see if we can get the real truth. So they sent out a survey to pretty much every major venture capital firm out there and uh, said, hey, you're in America, you invest in early stage, mid stage, late stage companies. Tell us uh, the makeup of your team and tell us how many uh, diverse and female founders that you've invested in, you know, over the last um, five, seven, 10 years. And probably not very surprising, the numbers were not very good because most VC firms uh, don't consider that uh, a goal when they're considering investing. Uh, Anova, on the early hand, from the very early days in Memphis, Tennessee, um, looked, one, at the makeup of our community and said, gee, we've got 63-some percent uh, makeup of African-Americans in Memphis, Tennessee, and a large percentage across the southeast and we should be giving these folks a really hard look, not a not an unfair investing standpoint, but a really hard look. Let's make sure that we're putting that into our review parameter. And if there is something that looks good, a founder looks good, an idea looks good, then we want to invest in those folks. And it was that simple. So for us, we're proud of it. And what we've found over time, Brandon, is that if you get a reputation of being a very fair reviewer, who wants to look in certain sectors, whether it's ag or it's medical device or it's logistics or it's female or, you know, uh, diverse founders, then those people tell their friends and tell others you get a reputation and you see even more of those deals. So for us, it's about see more, review more and invest more. And, and are you all viewing that then in large part as a competitive advantage? I mean, if you're getting, you know, it's all about referrals and relationships, right? So if you have that reputation in the market of, of giving everyone a fair shake and looking at all pitches and really considering every angle, uh, is that an advantage for Anova over uh, firms that may not be thinking in those ways? Yeah, you, you just revealed our secret sauce there. What we, what we have found is that if you get that reputation about, hey, we really like to look at uh, minority founders, minority teams, and uh, we're going to spend time talking to you, and we want to make sure we're investing in those great teams. 
then it absolutely is an advantage. We tend to see the best of the best, which gives us the ability to invest in those great teams. So we, we see it as a competitive advantage in the marketplace, and we're really proud that we're able to, to do so. So let's go back in time to the beginning when you started Innova. So you had served in the U.S. Army Infantry as a captain. Yep. You were vice president and GM at General Electric Healthcare and GE Capital. And then you moved as VP of Johnson & Johnson and then senior vice president for global sales and ops at Smith & Nephew, Ortho, which is based in Memphis. Uh, and then you started Innova. What was that transition? What got you to, to launch the fund in the first place? So I was working as a senior vice president in Memphis, and we had a... Um we had a, a corporation change, a structure change, and and the options for me uh, were either to move back to the Boston area or go to London you know, or do something different. And frankly, after you know twenty five plus years working for a big corporate, I said I just think I've had enough. So Smith and nephew was very generous and offered me a package which you know I couldn't refuse. And so I just went to the house and said, what do I want to do next? I did some consulting for a while. I didn't want to do travel after, you know, running global corporations for years. So I met with some of the local folks in Memphis, Steve Bears, who is the executive director and president for Memphis Bioworks Foundation, and Pitt Hyde, the, the founder and chairman of the board for AutoZone. And they said, look, we're trying to find a way to invest into high quality startups in Memphis, Tennessee. And I said, well, I don't know really how I have a fit for that because what I've done is run large corporations. They said, well, here's our thesis. We believe there's good companies here. We're just not seeing them. We're not investing in those. So what we'd like you to do is start ANOVA and invest in companies that when you had your corporate hat on, you would like to acquire. And I said, wow, is, is it really that simple? And they said, well, we don't know, but let's give it a try. So I started this, frankly, Brandon, without the intention to do this for 10 plus years, but with an idea that maybe we could do something good for the community, do something good for the state by investing and identifying these early stage companies. And maybe, you know, I could make a buck along the way. My idea was it would let me personally invest in some companies while I, I ran this venture. And now here we are 13 years later with four people on the team and 70 plus million under management. And it continues to prove that the thesis of doing uh, an operator review, not just a financial review from someone who is, but some, from someone who's run a company say, hey, we know what it takes to be a good company. We know what good founders look like. That thesis of investing early uh, has proven out to be something that works very well. Absolutely. Well, and, and like you say, fast forward today, uh, you're in fund four. You've invested in over 100 companies. Is, is the money for Innova still coming from some of these, these big co's, right? You mentioned AutoZone before and some of the other Memphis big co's. Are these individual uh, investors, high net worth investors that are in the fund, or is it a combination of, of all the above? So first three funds were all kind of Memphis and Tennessee focused, and there's some strong interest in continuing that momentum in doing another Tennessee-based fund. Uh, we actually had planned to do it in 2020. We Frankly, we put it on pause ourselves because with all the uncertainty amongst COVID, I said, look, I'm not comfortable taking anybody's money unless we really believe that we can still have a thesis of investing in high quality companies that will provide us return. We also have for our fund four, which is our ag tech fund, we've got eight banks that have invested in us. Those eight banks like us a lot. They like what we've done. They're asking us to form uh, potentially another fund on the ag tech side. But it reminds me when we had our very, very first board meeting, 
first board meeting, got a team together, got some top people to come and work with us. Uh, we were in the very first board meeting. And before we started, one of the board members said, I've got a question. Are we here to do good or are we here to make money? Because the, the thesis was, hey, this is kind of a double bottom line thing. We want to invest in companies that will stay in the community, will stay in Tennessee. They will attract others and it will be really great for the community. And Pitt Hyde looked at this board member and said, we want to do both. We absolutely want to do something that's going to have an impact in the community, but it will not work unless we make money. So that's been our draw to um, the corporations and the private investors that say, we really like your goal. We like your purpose. We like the fact that it works. And we also like that you give us a return on our investment. What's not to like about that? Yeah, that way it enables us to do it again. Exactly right. right. Yep. They want to continue to to invest in companies that create jobs and that create wealth in the community. And so that, that makes a lot of sense. For for the ag tech venture, this fund four that you just mentioned, you said is backed by banks. Are these banks that primarily serve uh, agricultural clients? What is their interest in ag tech? Or did they just see it as an industry that has a lot of promise and they wanted to get in? Yeah, this this is a very interesting fund. We were actually approached and talked to the folks at U.S. Department of Agriculture. They said, we have a very unique um, fund approach. We've only done it a couple of times, but it's called a rural business investment company. You can apply to us for certification if you're selected and if you have a certain number of farm credit banks that say that they will put money into your venture capital fund, then uh, we'll certify you as a rural business investment company. And then you have to invest into ag tech companies or agricultural companies in rural America. So all eight of our LPs, our limited partners in this fund are actually farm credit banks. Now, farm credit banks are owned by their customers, which are farmers. And they look and say, hey, this is a great idea. If we can have some of our money go into a venture fund that allegedly knows what they're doing, and we're supposed to be experts in this, then they'll invest into these rural communities, which will find new, novel, innovative ideas that help the producers, the farmers do a better job, hopefully make some money and continue that cycle of pumping into those rural companies. And it's a, it's a thesis, again, so far has worked very well, and we're, we're proud to be a part of that. Yeah, it has a really neat potential flywheel effect. So are companies that apply to the Ag Tech Fund, is, is there then kind of a path where they are able to fast track some relationships with the farmers who are in fact funding them? Absolutely. So the nice thing about it is the banks we find are totally fascinated by this. If you think about most banks, they make loans and they make very safe, conservative loans that are backed by collateral. Well, that's just the opposite of venture capital. I mean, we're looking for a, a high flyer company that has the chance to scale rapidly and become a, a gazelle or, you know, something that, you know, whichever animal analogy you want to use, but has the ability to grow rapidly and make a big impact on uh, on the economy and on the environment. Well, the banks look at this and say, this is fantastic. If this can help our farmers be more efficient, more productive producers, then gee, we're all for this. So we'll have calls with them about once a month. They'll pass it on to their networks and their farmers and others. And it gives us um, a very good visibility path for these early stage companies to get in front of the people who need them the most. That's awesome. And then pivoting to healthcare and devices where you have tremendous experience and expertise. 
Let's talk a little bit about zero to 510. This is your accelerator yep. that is run out of Memphis, serves companies throughout Tennessee, and I think beyond, correct me if I'm wrong, but throughout the region, and is, is really one of the most uh, successful accelerators in the country. Yep. Uh, and this helps medical device companies to navigate from start, aka zero, to getting approved on the 510 schedule through the FDA. How did zero to 510 start and, and what is it doing now? Yeah, it was a, a Brandon, a, a market, uh, an unplanned market entry program for us. What we started seeing in the early days after I started reviewing companies is one would invest in a company that had a great idea and a, and a decent founding team. And we started seeing the same problems, the same failures, the same challenges over and over and over. One, they had a great idea, but they hadn't properly vetted it in the marketplace. They didn't really know who their customers were. They hadn't got a, a good corporate structure. They didn't know how to market. They weren't sure exactly how to do prototypes. They weren't sure who was going to manufacture it. And I could go on and on. After about the eighth company we had seen like this, a number of those would invested in, you know, I just went to some local folks and I said, this is crazy. We need to think about doing an accelerator because every one of these companies were investing and they're going through three or four hundred thousand dollars and they have the same failing points and we're pumping in another five hundred thousand dollars before they actually learn the lessons that they should have known to begin with. So we set up zero to 510 and you're right, the, the FDA has a, a clearance program where they say if there is a significant predicate device that's already in the marketplace, it's already being used that we know has safety features and effectiveness that we understand, and yet you've got one that is reasonably similar, you can apply for this clearance from the FDA, not approval, but clearance that says, hey, we can fast track this to market. So we looked and said, if you think you have a product, and there are millions of those out there that could go through this path, then you should apply to us. We'll bring you in. We'll invest anywhere between fifty dollars and $100,000 in your company. You'll go through a three-month intensive program, hands-on, on-site. You'll meet with market experts that will teach you all the things you need to do to be a successful business and launch a product into the marketplace. And we've learned a lot in the last seven years, but now we have people that apply from all around the world, from Russia, Ukraine, India, Mexico, Canada, from all around the world that want to come to Memphis, Tennessee and go through this program. And obviously in the year of COVID, we've been doing it more virtual, but we've been very, very pleased with these companies. And so many of them have gone through the program. We've invested more more money into the winners, and then they've gone out into the marketplace and have become successful and are growing rapidly. Yeah. I mean, it's really become known as a, as a center of excellence. Like you say, not only is it a great amenity for startups here in the state of Tennessee to say, hey, I, I just need to hop over to Memphis if they're not there already and go through the accelerator, but it's also attracting a lot of outsiders to the state to start up their companies. And I suspect that once they're here, the relationships that you're able to broker with, whether it's Smith and Nephew or Medtronic or GE or what have you, uh, would encourage them to stay uh, because of the, the local expertise that we have in the state. Absolutely. If, if you think about what we have in the state, I mean, on this side of the state, you've got UT, you've got Oak Ridge National Labs. In the middle, you've got Vanderbilt University and the Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And then in, in Memphis, you've got St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Medtronic Spine. Uh, you know, you've got Smith & Neff. You've got UT Health Sciences Center. Uh, you've got uh, the largest uh, level one trauma center in the country. 
so there's a lot of resources that go around. This is a great, great place to come and pick the brains of top healthcare professionals and top medical device professionals. And one great example of a local company from here in Knoxville that participated in that program and has a tremendous traction in the market now is, is Leah Winter with Winter Innovations. And so uh, she went and participated in, I think, the most recent uh, cohort of, of zero to 510 and is now uh, on to the next accelerator and has great prototypes for her device, whip stitching needle. Uh, she came on the podcast as one of our first episodes and had glowing reviews of the accelerator. What, what's the best way for the next companies from Knoxville to get involved? Is it an online application? Should they get in touch uh, with someone locally here like you uh, to get involved in Zero to 510? I'm happy to talk to anyone that has an interest in the program. They can also apply online. They can either go through our website of anovamemphis.com um, and you'll, you'll see application programs there. But I mean, Leah, Leah is a fantastic example of this because she came to us and said, I've seen a market need. I have an idea for something that could work, and I really don't know what to do next, and I'm totally open to your impact and your ideas. Now, that's the kind of founder we like because they come in with this blank slate, and they say, I'm willing to work hard and learn. I know I don't know everything about the market or the product, and I want to find a way to make it better. So she met with top surgeons and top nurses and went to the OR and people said, hey, this is great, but here's the things you should do differently. So those kind of founders are the people we love because they come and they want to find a way to make it work and want to find a way to make it better. So, yeah, anyone that has an interest can feel free to email me or go onto the website and apply to Anova, and we'll make sure we get you plugged in. And then for Anova as an umbrella, what, what are some local examples of Knoxville of, of companies that you all have invested in? Are they all focused on medical devices, healthcare, or, or are they kind of across the board? Uh, they're across the board. Uh, the, probably the best uh, success we've had here is a company called Arcus Medical. Uh, Arcus was a, a great invention from a, a top surgeon at uh, UT Medical Center and then a top engineer, uh, Chad Seaver, uh, who came together and said, hey, we think we can improve on the products that we see out there for hydrocephalus and for uh, cranial surgery. Uh, Anova looked at him and said, we, we think you guys really have it put together. We invest in them. Uh, they were at one of the first companies out at the uh, UT Cherokee Research Park. Uh, so we're Cherokee Farms Research Park, and we're thrilled to support them. And we recently just helped them uh, uh, sell their company to a major strategic. And each one of those founders now are going out and trying to do something new and stay in the community. Yeah, fantastic outcome for Arcus as a company. Great founding team. And, uh, and, and I have to imagine this is extremely gratifying for you, for your investors, for everyone associated with Innova. Really important technology, right? I mean, this is, this is revolutionary tech to improve cranial surgery for, for children. Uh, yes. what, a, what a huge impact uh, technology. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that people don't talk about enough in the the healthcare and the ag tech side is you know you you really are making a difference if you find a medical device that can shorten in the case of Arcus shorten the surgery time for a child that's going through cranial surgery or make it so they don't have to have it as often in in the past for if you had a child with hydrocephalus it could be that the lines would clog and every six months, I'd have to go in for another surgery. 
Imagine the pain and trauma and emotional distress that causes to a child or to their parents. And with Arcus, you might be able to extend that to three or four years and not have as many surgical insertion sites. So that's a great and wonderful thing. On the ag tech side, imagine if we can dramatically boost um, the products, the crops that the farmers are growing and speed their time to market. So you can improve this for what we all know by 2050, maybe eight to 10 billion people on the face of the earth. Those are really important things for humanity. So it, uh, it gives you good feeling, makes you feel good about what you do. And you're dealing with really bright people that truly want to make a difference, not just make a buck. Yeah, no question. Uh, what about tech and logistics? Those are also focus areas for Innova, are there some examples, whether here in Knoxville or across Tennessee, uh, of companies in your portfolio that, that you've invested in that you're excited about? Yeah, logistics is a kind of a natural for us with most of our team uh, being in Memphis. I'm the only one in Knoxville. We just really love this part of the state and decided to do this uh, remotely. But we talk with our team, obviously, every day. But uh, with in Memphis, with FedEx being there, with AutoZone being there, there's some tremendous leverage that you can do with logistics. And logistics, as we all know, is critically important to be moving supply and managing supply chain quickly. At this point in time, what we've seen with COVID is that so many of those supply chains have failed. But we've got really great companies there that uh, do some things like move people. One's called Med Hauler that's done a great job of uh, picking up people and taking to hospitals and, apart- and to their appointments. We've got companies that do on site. Um, management and monitoring for trucks, for long haul trucks, because one of the biggest problems is if you don't anticipate it and a truck breaks down, it's not like, you know, jumping a car and taking it someplace. You've got spoilage. You can lose the equipment you have in the back of the trucks. So we've got company trucks that are working, uh, companies working with trucks in that aspect. Uh, We've got some others that are flying a little under the radar, but are working closely with FedEx and others to improve their overall logistics. We've got some that are doing a really, really great job. And one's called Trade Lanes. And Trade Lanes uh, manages kind of a blockchain, if you will, of uh, understanding when a product leaves someplace overseas, where it is in the ocean and where it is in America as it comes here and starts moving toward its destination. So um, we think that is a really, really great sector to get into. Uh, and so far, those companies have been really excited about coming to Memphis and, and working with the, the contacts we have there. Yeah, I feel like similar to your points about healthcare earlier, Tennessee is really a center of excellence for logistics, not only the companies that you mentioned like FedEx and AutoZone in Memphis, but also in Chattanooga and in Knoxville, right? I mean, Pilot Flying J is a world leader uh, in Chattanooga. You've got a startup like Freight Waves, uh, yes. which has been one of the big fundraisers of the last uh, couple of years nationwide. So a lot of really exciting things happening in that space for for companies in Knoxville, whether they're in healthcare, tech, logistics, or ag tech. Uh, what are the best ways for them to connect with Anova? So we talked about zero to five ten k getting involved with that. Is it a similar process? Should they go to Anova uh, Memphis's website and put an application in there? That's the best way for us. Um, you know, we do. We've got kind of a good news, bad news story right now. We have been highlighted recently for uh, being the number two uh, most active ag tech investor in, in the United States. And that's obviously a nice uh, position to be in. But folks have seen that. They've seen some of the other things we're doing. So we're getting a lot, a lot of applications coming in through our website. But it's still the best way. If uh, our senior analysts and associates 
uh, review those applications. And on a weekly basis at a partners meeting, we take a look at them and say, uh, either this is not a fit for us, we'll give them feedback, or let's move this to the next level and do a call or do a review or look at their pitch deck. Uh, so going through our process on the Innova Memphis website is the best way to move it quickly through our process and have us take a good look at it. Fantastic. Ken, let's do a couple of rapid fire questions. Uh, what book are you reading? I usually read about six books at a time, <laughs> which is a little challenging. I'm reading uh, Anti-Fragile by uh, Nassim Tlaib, which I think is pretty good. Um, I just read um, Flash Crash, uh, which was on market manipulation with some of the high-speed uh, high-speed folks that run that. And I'm enjoying a, a book called Neurodharma, which is on uh, working with your brain to kind of, you know, hack your brain and, and how you look at things. So that's the three I've got on my iPad right now that I'm going through. Yeah, well, in the first author you mentioned, Nassim Tlaib, people recognize uh, his name as the author of Black Swan, which, of course, was cited innumerable times yes. uh, when the pandemic started. It's worth mentioning that the, the fund that uh, one of his protégés started and that he's an advisor for, uh, I think their return was about 4,000% uh, when the coronavirus hit. So it was an important hedge uh, for a lot of investors that were able yeah. to see a return at the same time that the, that the market was really taking a tumble. So he has an always fascinating perspective on how often these things that are, quote, unexpected are, are actually should be relatively expected, it turns out. Exactly right. And that's what makes him so fascinating. I don't agree with everything he says, but I think he's a fascinating read. Yeah, no, he's definitely uh, thought-provoking. What about podcasts? Any thought-provoking podcast recommendations, stuff you're listening to? Yeah, being a guy who is a former military and, and likes martial arts and likes to run and ride bikes and work out, I, I enjoy this guy, Mark Devine. Uh, I think it's just called the Divine Podcast. And he gets into a lot of kind of, hey, let's think about uh, how you, you manage your body, how you manage your time, how you manage your sleep, and how you manage your life. I think he's a, a really interesting guy. He was a former uh, SEAL team commander. And uh, he had a lot of injuries and he got into yoga and martial arts and ways to kind of heal his body and expand your mind. So I enjoy that one. I think that's always good. Fantastic. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about going on to the website. Uh, let's make sure everyone has the website address. Where's the best URL for them to go and what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, it's just uh, novamemphis.com. That's a great way to do it. You, of course, can reach me on LinkedIn, also at uh, Ken Woody. Uh, happy to respond to both. I don't look at LinkedIn every day, but I do get notification when someone wants to reach out to us. Uh, and finally, if you just want to use email, it's kwoody at novamemphis.com. Yep, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, at Startup Day coming up here in Knoxville. And uh, you're a staple at all of the events, especially when we have them in person, which we're looking forward to get back to. Uh, here in 2021. But in the meantime, uh, we'll see you on some of these virtually. Ken, thank you so much for making time and coming on the show. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And thanks everybody for listening to the Startup Knox podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe to listen to more interviews with Knoxville entrepreneurs. If you want to know more about today's episode, check out the show notes on our website at startupknox.com. Also on the site, you can find a startup ecosystem guide for Knoxville, a startup directory, an investor directory, and a curated startup events calendar. Join me for the next episode where I'll talk with Tony Ledich, Managing Director of the Angel Roundtable in Tri-Cities. Thanks for listening.